welcome to the American Scouser podcast. Hosting for the first time, myself, Aris Chris, uh, with me, the OGs of American Scouser. I got Gordo. Hey, how's it going? And uh, the main man himself, Timuchin. How's it going, dude? What's up? What's up? Well, it's been a long time, guys. Um, almost two weeks since we've had absolutely proper football. I know we had some football last week, but I won't count that because um, we weren't involved. But uh, Norwich on Saturday, how excited are you, Tim? Man, I'm excited just to get back into football because the non-football conversations were just getting to the point <laughs> where I was like, can we get the game back? If I saw one more Coutinho conversation or the Salah lookalike running with the rugby, <laughs> I was just going to lose it because it was just like nothing but that and the Coutinho conversation. So uh, more than glad to get back into the deal and... Kind of like almost like finish it off, right? It's like, you know, just turn in the last corner here, finish it off. Got some like kind of favorable fixtures. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited. It's almost like, yeah, last weekend just felt weird. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like I didn't, I didn't think the schedule the weekend around. So it was just kind of like lost. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I was kind of at a loss of what to do myself. Gordo, uh, Norwich on, on Saturday, um, they had a, a half-decent start, and we played them early in the season, and they looked good, but they're not looking too good. Uh, what do you think? No, they're facing too many shots. They're looking porous in the back. They really rely heavily on Pugi, and I mean, I just think that the Premier League is maybe a bit too tough for him. And, and honestly, in the Premier League, if you've only got one striker and he's playing at your tipping point, uh, it's pretty easy for those two center backs to shut you down. If they don't really have anything else, they, they don't have nothing going for them. They did look a little explosive in the beginning of the season, like you said. I mean, I, they were our first game, I'm, I'm almost positive. And, yeah. and uh, we won 4-1, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't straightforward, and they did give us a little bit of trouble in the first, and I thought maybe they can kick on. But I think that was more like shock value. Now that everybody sussed them out, I, I, I pretty much think that Norwich is as good as gone this year. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. They they kind of look sharp at the start, and then, as you said, people sort of work them out. Um, our games with Norwich are always explosive. They're always exciting. Um, are we expecting more of the same? What do you think, Tim? How many goals? I think so. I mean, it really depends. I You know, you look at the weather forecast, and like, it's supposed to be like obnoxiously windy and stuff like that, if it turns out to be that way, which kind of like affects our game more than anything else, I think, but... Um, especially like the long balls and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, if you remember the first game, I mean, even though the score was like a comfortable win for us, they did, I recall them having a couple of like clear chances in the beginning that they did not take advantage of. And then, you know, we kind of like, you know, like started like scoring on them. So I kind of almost like expect more of the same. Uh, I mean, it's a team that, I mean, if you're in Norwich, I mean, I agree with Gordon, you know, we spoke about it on the last pod too, that, I mean, they're pretty much done. But if you have any hope, you need three points. You know, just taking a point away from Liverpool is not going to get you very far. Uh, you're kind of like way past that now. you got to start racking up like three points to be able to stay. So let's hope they come out with that mindset and, you know, like play for the win, which will kind of play into our hands. And I mean, I expect a win. It's almost like what else to expect out of this team at this point. We're kind of spoiled, but I do expect <laughs> knowing like, you know, the levels of the teams and the forms of the teams. And I, like I say, my hope is that Norwich comes out to win as opposed to just like, kind of like sit back. Um, 
So we'll see. I mean, I guess I kind of, I mean, it looks like we're going to have our ideal 11 out there. Uh, so that should kind of like help out offensively too, having like Mane back. Uh, I mean, he's at practice, so I almost expect him unless something happens during practice these last couple of days, like afterwards he's sore or something like that. You would think he would be out there and that should be enough to take care of Norwich. Yeah, I think you, you segue nicely in the, in the minutes little section here um, about the lineup. Um, and Mane was actually my, my point of contention. Um, will he start? Do, does he have to start against Norwich? Um, what do you think, Ordo? I, I really don't think he does. I think that uh, it might be worth just keeping him on the bench, getting him back 100% for Champions League, uh, maybe giving him a little half-hour half cameo, 25 minutes at the end of the game there, and Klopp usually loves that 75th minute. Um, I think it would be good maybe to put Minamino. I know that he's kind of been used in a few different positions just off of uh, Firmino's shoulder. He's been on the right. Um, it might be a good opportunity to slide him in with, with the the main squad and see what he could do when he's got, uh, got a full squad behind him and see if that helps him. I think because I know the last few games uh, when he goes in, it's kind of a, a weaker squad or not so much weak, but not our A squad. So, Maybe just uh, give him a run out, see how much damage he can cause on the wings. Because I think that's the big thing is uh, wing play. Tamuchin mentioned the, uh, the the weather and how it's going to be a little bit windier. And, and we are a team that loves to go wide and, and come back inside. And I think we can wreck all sorts of havoc on him. So it might be worth seeing him. Or, I mean, giving Origi a, a start in the league is always good to see. And I don't think it's necessary. But, uh, I don't know, Klopp, uh, he takes every game as if it's, a must win so i wouldn't be surprised to see him starting <laughs> yeah um well taking us on um actually last weekend and speaking of the weather um city versus west ham was um called off and rescheduled for next wednesday um so that gives them their game in hand do we really care what's actually happening behind us now are we at a point now where we're just like actually who cares what they do we're going to win the league. <laughs> I think we're just keeping an eye on it, but not like, I mean, there was a point of almost like watching City games to uh, like kind of root for the other team and see if they'll lose some points and stuff like that. I mean, I was actually looking forward to kind of watching it just because it's soccer and I'll watch it. doesn't matter who's playing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, I don't think so. it almost only affects when we clinch at this point. I think, and I personally, I mean, we talked about it with Gordon last time. I mean, I personally don't care when it happens, where it happens, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it only affects that, I think. I mean, do we really need to? I know there was like a discussion in our like Facebook group this week, like, you know, do we need him to lose points? I mean, we don't need him to lose points. It wouldn't hurt, but we don't, I mean, we're, all we got to do is win six games and this game, this thing is over. So we don't really necessarily need it. It doesn't hurt, but. Yeah, I think it's just like kind of keeping an eye on it with not really focusing on city games at this point. Yeah. Um, all right, then. Moving on. Um, some good news this week. Um, FSG announced that um, they'll be expanding the stadium to 61,000. Um, there was also a, a bit of contention about, you know, the area around. The, they were talking about the original um, design was going to have a pedestrianized Anfield Road. Um, I read this morning that that's actually been scrapped and they're just going to reroute Anfield Road around that part of the stadium um, so it doesn't affect Stanley Park. But um, what's your thoughts, guys, on, on the news, Gordo? 
I I really like I, I think FSG has done a great job at at really recognizing the value of the family aspect of the club. Uh, I think yeah. that previous owners like Hicks and Gillette, I, I believe at one point they were thinking about just just tearing Anfield down and building the totally new stadium. I think yeah. that FSG has done a phenomenal job at realizing that Anfield is almost a, a historic site. And to yeah. keep it as it is, keep it on the same grounds, keep the same sort of atmosphere and build on it and make it a modern stadium is, is phenomenal. I think that speaks volumes for, especially because, you know, they're American. So you wouldn't expect somebody to come in and really uh, understand how much Anfield means to, to Liverpool supporters. So I actually love it because one of the biggest downfalls for us was, you know, we had such, for how big the club was, our stadium was, was poor in terms of the amount of people that we can get in. And also, you know, we're starting to dilapidate a little bit and, it's one of those, what do you do? And I think that uh, I, I couldn't be happier with the way that they're treating it because I, I really think there's tremendous value in keeping keeping the clubs in the same spot. I think we've seen Tottenham struggle, West Ham has struggled, um, Arsenal's particularly struggle, struggle moving away from Highbury. I think that uh, it not just disrupts the football foundation in the community, but it also affects the teams pretty bad when you have to relocate. Yeah, I mean, you, you made a good point there about the other clubs moving on to, to other stadiums. Um, a, a few little sort of tidbits here. Uh, there's 29 stadiums throughout Europe with bigger capacities than ours. So we're essentially the best club in Europe, but we're 29th, we're 30th on the list when it comes to capacity. Um, but we do have the 15th, we are number 15 on the average attendance. Uh, we have like 52,983 average um from the 54 we have actually um celtic have a higher average attendance than us really yeah like that that just that just gives you an idea now if we up to the 61,000 and we we take that average um we would probably be averaging about 60,000 um that would actually helpfully move us into the top 10 probably seventh in europe um for average attendance. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, have a massive impact. Tim, what, what do you reckon? Um, uh, I think it's a win-win on that situation, to be honest. I mean, you're increasing your revenue, uh, increasing the access to the team, while like kind of like Gordon was talking, like kind of keeping Anfield as Anfield. So, I mean, that's the, always a danger anytime you kind of touch something historical. Uh, of historical value and sentimental value to the club, there's that danger of kind of touching it too much and kind of like disturbing the overall like the ambiance. But I mean, looking at the plans and what they've done so far, I think also speaks for what they're going to do in the future. Uh, I mean, the improvements they've made so far to Anfield has worked and kept Anfield the way it is. So yeah, it's a win-win. Like I say, more access, I mean, access to more fans, which will increase revenue. Can't go wrong. Yeah, it's uh, it's good news. Yeah, they'll be starting work um the end of this year, and they hope to have it completed by the summer of 2022, I think it is. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be exciting when that opens and, and uh, there's more tickets available um, for all those hungry Liverpool fans. Um, speaking of speaking of tickets, um, the news that Chelsea um, won't, will be uh, shorting us close to 700 tickets for the FA Cup. Um 
citing um, a safety advisory group um, have said that they shouldn't give us the tickets or something. And they said that's the final decision. Um, what do you think of that, Tim? Uh, Chelsea trying to scrape out on us on tickets? Yeah, I mean, kind of shitty on their part, isn't it? I mean, it's just almost <laughs> like, what are you afraid of? But, I mean, I, I guess we know what they're afraid of. But, um, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, anytime it's kind of like being the home team and you kind of try to take advantage as much as you can and get the most. I mean, I think if if we kind of reverse situation and, you know, Liverpool decided to do the same thing, I think we'd be kind of all for it. So I didn't think it was as big of a deal. Like I say, shitty on their part and kind of makes them look kind of almost like weak in a way. But like I say, if we did the same thing, I think we wouldn't have a problem with it because it would be more access to our fans. Yeah, Gordo. um, Yeah, so Chelsea are supposed to allocate us uh, 15%, um, which they haven't hit. Um, and there's a lot of fans are up in arms, and there's a, there's a lot of conversations now about um, privilege among certain fans, um, a little bit of, uh, pardon my French, dick measuring, uh, so to speak. Um, certain fans deserve certain special privileges or whatever it is. There were some comments made earlier in, earlier in the week. Um, I didn't hear them myself, but I know you guys um, know a bit more about it than I do. Um, What's your take on um, what was said uh, and the whole situation? Well, one of the things that that always gets me is is with the allocation of tickets in general in in Europe and and particularly the Premier League is it's very um, how many games you've been to you it opens up. Uh, more ticket availability for you. I mean, if you, even if you're a member of the club, an official member, um, oftentimes if you haven't been to, you know, the last round against Shrewsbury, if you hadn't been to the one, you know, against Arsenal, those cup games, then you can't get tickets into the further round. And I think it's sort of, it can breed um, a little bit of that uh, upturned nose on other fans. So I've been to this game or I've been supporting for this long and so I deserve it. And I don't football in itself is is a sport that um, is really a an escape from reality, and I think that everybody deserves a chance to to support their teams. And I know that uh, I obviously don't don't make big enough money to, or I'm even involved in those kind of decision making schemes. But um, I don't know. I I think that the way that the clubs set themselves up can sort of breed that within fans. And honestly, I think most most of it comes from just boredom of like we had talked about, we haven't had too much action in about three weeks now. And I think it's just, uh, what else can we talk about? Let's, let's start chatting about some other things. And, and like you said, Dick measuring, cause that's pretty much all it is. I, I don't think that the amount of time that you supported or where you live or where you've come from really matters too much. I mean, you could read as many books as you want in, in a year and, um, and retain most of that information. So I don't know. I just, I don't like seeing it, but uh, I think that the way, like I said, the way the club set themselves up for ticket allocation and things like that can sometimes breed, breed that kind of uh, mentality. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a fairly regular visitor when it, you know, when I was back home, it, it was a lot easier for me. Um, and I haven't been to Anfield since I moved to the States. Um, you know, mainly, mainly because of financial reasons. 
you know, <laughs> um, it costs a hell of a lot of money and being able to take enough time off work, you know, because obviously I'm going home. So I'd want to go home and see friends and everything else. But I definitely want to go to a game. So, you know, I, I have to priorities for me at, at present. And it's kind of been nice the last couple of years them coming to the States because um, it's made it a hell of a lot easier. But Tim, yeah, uh, we had a brief sort of conversation in our, in our little chat um, about the comments on, on the Anfield rap. Uh, and uh, and kind of um, some of the comments on Twitter that evolved around that. Um, <clears throat> do you think they handled handled it well enough, or, or or what do you think? Is it is it kind of, or is it still a touchy enough subject that we we shouldn't be poking an angry bear? It's one of those things where I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, do you believe kind of how he tried to correct it? I mean, basically, the bottom line is if you know if. People do not listen to it, which I mean, I think it's like a good podcast to definitely listen to, and they're one of the top ones. Um, I mean, Neil Jones, when they were talking about, you know, in terms of where they wanted the championship to be like clinched, um, he mentioned something regarding, you know, like he would rather have it in an away game because those fans deserve it more because they travel with the team and, you know, they bigger fans, you know, kind of a deal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to his credit, he did try to, you know, kind of like rephrase it. Um, I think that was the biggest disappointment is like nobody in the panel was like, what are you talking about? So maybe he would have had a chance that there right then to yeah. kind of rephrase it and like, you know, like reword it properly. Because I think he was more talking about, you know, fans that will just buy the ticket, you know, fork out the extra cash to buy the ticket for the game, for the home game that they're going to clinch and go there. And then, you know, you know, I guess, you know, enjoy it more compared to these fans that go to the away games. But I mean, first of all, I mean, we're lucky to go to a game, they will an away game being in the state. Uh, yeah. So, and then, like I say, do you believe his correction or did he mean what he said? I mean, it became kind of like too big of a deal at the end of the day. But I, I think going back to what you're saying, if there was a game going on, I don't think it would have been. It was kind of like a dead week, so nothing to talk about. Let's pound on this guy kind of deal. So, um, my biggest thing is there is a lot of fans. Um, like more of like the local fans, I guess, or people from Liverpool originally and stuff like that, kind of becoming more defensive or more possessive of the success now, which I kind of take slight offense to because, you know, especially for us, I mean, we're American Scouser. I mean, like, you know, we appeal to the fans of the club in the U.S., some of them from Liverpool and, so you know, but some of them just I mean, never been to Liverpool. Um, yeah. I almost feel like... You know, if you want the club to be successful, at the end of the day, you got to be global. Unless you want to be Brentford, so only local fans go and support <laughs> your team, and nobody else knows you. You want to be a club like that, then go for it. But you can't have your cake and eat it too, where yeah. you can't. I mean, this income. I mean, the majority income comes from broadcasting and commercial. I mean, the gates. You know, like the match day income out of those three categories is always third. And those, I mean, the team's success, us wanting to watch it here is what gets that broadcast income. If we didn't give a damn in the States, NBC Sports wouldn't fork out that much money. And, you know, like, exactly. and, and I thought about this a lot because, you know, like we, we were talking with like uh, someone online and, you know, I'm originally from Turkey. I was born a Fenerbahce fan. I mean, literally born a Fenerbahce fan because my entire family sports Fenerbahce, my grandfather was like one of their best players of all time in the era. If he was playing now, we'd be billionaires, but that's a different story. Uh, so, 
So, and I'm thinking, I understand the kind of hesitation where, you know, you root for this team. It's a slightly different scenario because Fenerbahce is, you know, one of the top teams that's always been successful. But, like, recently, for example, they haven't been. So, if you're rooting for this team forever and then, you know, they haven't had success and then somebody comes in within the last two years and they suddenly have success, I can kind of understand maybe the slight resentment. But let's face it, at the end of the day, if you have a guy who just supported this team for three months and really doesn't is not as invested, it's kind of like you know he might be what you know what we call like a you know like a plastic bandwagon fan that's gonna disappear if you have a bad season. The enjoyment that you you know us three are gonna get out of a title is always gonna be hundred times more than this guy. So to compare that and say you know we don't want him to celebrate with us because he's new, I think it's kind of like petty. And that's yeah. kind of, especially for fans who do not have access to be able to go to Liverpool and stuff like that, but be able to still support this club. And I mean, not only, you know, as a fan, but financially too, you know, you, us buying the jerseys and watching the games and stuff like that is what brings the money that pays for Van Dyke and that pays for other son and that pays for the club. So, I mean, every fan in some sort of fashion is part of the success so to kind of now suddenly now that we're successful to kind of make it like a it's a local club it's all ours it's all liverpool i think it's kind of like petty because it's definitely going to mean a lot to somebody you know we were talking you know like gordon you know like we're talking about like trying to get together because we're both in chicago uh for the game and it might end up being the clinching game you know like gordon's like that for example it doesn't matter how long of a fan, like, you know, if the guy has been on the six months, there's no way they're going to get the same joy and relief from a title win compared to somebody who's been fan for 30 years. So oh, why yeah. compare it? Oh, yeah. And and the thing is, and, and here's the thing, I, I kind of, I stand beside um, sort of the local Liverpool fans in a sense that I think they should definitely get a priority um, for loyalty to the club and being there every week and everything else, and, and I get that completely. But on the same hand, they're they're proud to be local and, and have this big club. But they'll say on the other hand, we're a global, the biggest globally supported club in the world, and we've got the greatest support in the world. While out of the back, going, oh, these people coming over and taking seats from local people, and you know, uh, there's there's a lot of and I think a lot of it boils down to, you know, there's a lot of hatred going around England as well with Brexit and Liverpool's always been its own little um, republic, so to speak, in the north of England. Um, and especially with the the, the, the Brexit vote, um, you could see, you know, in and around Liverpool, it was its own little world, you know. And um, I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of that kind of, Maybe unintentional xenophobia, um, or 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 word to that effect. I, I don't want to sort of accuse people of stuff, but I think uh, there, there's kind of that, like you said, Tim, that want to protect um, what's yours, uh, and because there, I've seen a lot of comments, uh, especially on Twitter, oh bandwagon fans, all, all these bandwagon fans jumping on now that we're successful or blah blah blah, but th- but that's the thing, that's success breeds growth. And it, it breeds growth everywhere in the stadium, in the club, in the fans, in the global reach, in our sponsorships, in everything. Um, and I think there has to be a little give and take with everyone. Because um, I think, you know, we can be kind of harsh with, with 
those fans and fighting back um, on it because there's, oh, especially American fans coming here and taking pictures and doing all this sort of stuff. And, and especially us because we appeal to the American audience. Um, I think that's something we have to, we have to take offense to that, you know, but I think we have to also take a look at them and understand where they're coming from, you know, and um, I, I think the sooner that the football comes back and we can just get back to watching the club <laughs> and enjoying winning the title and not getting bored and fighting with each other, um, the better. Um, Gordo, I mean, your dad's a scouser. Um, you know, I'm sure you've had this conversation with him. What, what's, what, what do you reckon his thoughts are? Well, it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, a lot of people that have been supporting the club for 30 years fell in love with Liverpool in the 80s and late 70s when they were huge. So it's yeah. like at, at some point they're also hypocritical. Like you said, what, what are we just going to like block all these new fans from coming in and then everyone eventually dies out and then the club has no one that supports them anymore. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I definitely, I can see the pride because it is, I'm seeing it, my dad all the time is very proud and, and, you know, you know, we're not, we're not English. We're scouts. It's like the, the yeah. famous saying. And so I can definitely see how, they don't want it to become this huge thing where, because in a lot of, you, you see it in a lot of um, forums and Facebook pages and stuff. Some people don't like actually get what the club is all about. I mean, it is, it can be pretty political in terms of where Liverpool has been. It's sort of an outlet for everything that they've gone through and the struggles. And I mean, the crown basically turned their back on the, the entire city, you know, in the Margaret Thatcher years. And so there yep. is a lot of uh, very complex and very touchy subjects that, that come with supporting the club. And, and a lot of these newer fans coming in don't really get that. But I think this is a great opportunity to, for, for fans that have been supporting the club for many years to teach these fans about it. Because yep. I feel like a exactly. lot of the, I th- feel like a lot of the reasons that people get into this club is that family mentality. And I feel like, explaining to them the intricacies of supporting and of being Liverpudlian and being Scouse, um, I feel like it would resonate with a lot of Americans. And so to completely deny them of, of that opportunity of learning it is, it can be pretty detrimental because Timujin said, I mean, the global brand pays for Virgil van Dijk. So it pays for the club to go out and, and get these huge players and, and, so I think it comes in tandem. It, it's really complex, and I, I see both sides of it, but I think it's a it, it can be a great learning experience for for some of these new fans. Definitely, and and I think that's 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 kind of like a mantra we have actually at, at LFC Knoxville. Um, you know, new fans coming in. We we've seen our our group actually grow exponentially over the last couple of months. You know, with with the success of the club, more people have become interested. More people are asking if there's a club so they can go and watch the games with other people, you know, uh, and people that didn't necessarily know. And, and one of the things we talk about is new fans coming in, if they are, you know, fresh faced or, or green on the club that we educate them. We, we give them that, that proper education on the history of the club and what it stands for and, and, and kind of everything that, that, that whole, um, you know, the Liverpool way, so to speak. Um, you know, and we, we try to do our best to educate, and I think that's probably the best thing. And and I think American Scouser and AmericanScouser.com, the blog and everything else, is very much about that. Tim, I mean, yourself, you started this thing 
for uh, that. I mean, that you was know? kind of like the ultimate goal, really. I mean, it was more about, I mean, trying to bring fans of this team in the U.S. together in terms of like where to meet and then, you know, where to meet, where to watch games together and stuff like that to connect, number one. And then two, and that, you know, this is something, I mean, obviously you guys know we're constantly working on is more about, you know, teaching about the club. And, yeah. you know, like about this history and, you know, like, like you're saying, like what it stands for and stuff. Cause I mean, I'll be honest, like I did not even as a, I mean, I've been a Liverpool fan. I fell in love with the team in the 1984 cup final. And, um, and I did not know, and I really don't think a lot of our, even our listeners and a lot of the fans in the U.S. I pretty much can guarantee it because I've seen like comments and stuff like that. <laughs> not know about the politics of the club. I mean, I did not know. I mean, I started college in London. Uh, like I say, I you know went to high school in Istanbul and stuff. Then I started college in London. I did not know about the pol- political aspect of it myself till I was in the U.K. And kind of like learned about it a lot more then because I had, you know, like one of my best friends in college actually was from Liverpool. And I kind of like learned a lot from him and I started reading about it and all that kind of stuff. So I really don't think a lot of the fans do know about that. And I'll be honest, like, you know, Gordon was talking about like, you know, like some of these fans, you know, I don't know if they would be uh, as into it if they know. And if they don't, oh, well, sucks to be them. But I think a lot of the fans around the world do not know the politics behind the club. And I'll be honest, like, it's been a challenge on American Scouser as well as, you know, the Facebook group where, you know, we try to keep politics out of it as much as possible. So we talk about the game because that's kind of like what we enjoy the most about it. But it's very challenging with a team, a club like Liverpool, because it's such a big part of it. I mean, you would not have this... Like I say, with Fenerbahce or whatever, I think, you know, Barcelona is probably another good example of, you know, having that kind of like a political thing behind it, you know, against like, you know, like Spain and stuff like that. But um, it's it's very big challenge to kind of keep politics out when you're discussing Liverpool. It's I mean, I'm finding it out more and more that it is a big challenge, but it's something that I think, you know, obviously it's in the roots of the club and any new fan if they want to learn about the history of the club, I mean, they're going to be exposed to it and they're going to understand it. I, to me, it's what makes the club special. And I think to most fans it is, uh, as opposed to, you know, like rooting for like a like a big money club that's just all about money, you know, I'm city. But, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> I think, yeah, but I mean, that was our goal from the get-go. You know, when I started American Scouser and, you know, like with like the, you know, OG, like Gordon, for example, I mean, the goal was to kind of teach the new fans more about the club as well because i still do not think i mean you're saying for example you know knoxville is growing and most of it is probably because of the success of this team this team is breaking records so even if you were not familiar with the game as much and stuff this is a record-breaking team it's not a team on a title run it's a record-breaking team so it's gonna you know get a lot of fans because of the success and i can i guarantee you a majority of them have no concept or understanding of the politics behind yeah, um, I mean, myself, obviously, I- I'm from Northern Ireland originally, uh, and it's a heavily political country, um, and 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 very much a, a, there's a lot of it that aligns with, with sort of the politics in Liverpool. Obviously, there's a, a strong Irish uh, and Scottish contingent in, in Liverpool. Um, I mean, the first Liverpool team itself was all Irish and Scotsmen. Um, so, um, 
you know, so we, we align a lot and the, the, there's a lot of history there and a, a lot of stuff that, that needs to be learned. And it's not, you know, there can be a lot of derision to new fans for not knowing um, these things. And again, that boils down to, you know, us as fans. You know, we have to be accepting of the, these guys coming in, that they don't know the history, that they don't know who Jimmy Troyori is. They don't know who, you know, um, Ronnie Whelan is or, or, or any of these sort of, you know, maybe not you know, superstar names that, that were known in the past, like, you know, Rushy or John's Bar- John Barnes or, or, you know, Fernando Torres, Stevie Gerrard or whatever. So, you know, we have to educate them and, and, and teach them the ballad of Ragnar Clavan. Uh, and, uh, you know, like just just the things and, and welcome them in and, and, you know, prove that, you know, Liverpool fans are, the you know, the greatest fans in the world, as we keep telling people and, the awards that are out there that we seemingly win. I don't know if they're imaginary awards. I don't know if we have trophies for that. <laughs> but I have read somewhere that somebody said we were the best fans on the planet. And it wasn't by another Liverpool fan. So it was like some independent thing. Um, so, yeah, I, let's, I let's, mean, let's it, walk the walk, you know. We talk the talk plenty of times, you know. I think every fan is a new fan at one point, you know, unless you were born there. Like, like I say, I was never, I never decided to be a fan of a fan. It was kind of part of the DNA when I was born. Unless you're in that situation as a Liverpool fan, everybody is a new fan at some point. You know, I came to the U.S. not knowing anything about, you know, to finish off college. And I had, you know, let's face it, nobody in Europe knows anything about American football. So I didn't know anything about it. I started <laughs> watching it and, you know, like started, you know, liking, you know, because West Coast offenses probably was the closest thing to, you know, a sport where the ball actually moves instead of just running it. There were like a lot of short passes and stuff. So I started like watching 49ers and I became a 49ers fan, learned more about the club and learned the players of the past and stuff like that. But, you know, that's how you become a fan. And then you kind of learn about the history and stuff like that. And then, you know, Either you appreciate the club more or you do not. But uh, everybody is a new fan at one point. I think that's one thing that, you know, the older fans have to understand. And you got to embrace these new fans because, like we were talking about, they're the ones that kind of ultimately support the club financially for it to be a global brand, to keep the money coming in, to be able to make these signings and, you know, you know the improvements to the stadium and stuff like that we're talking about. It's all about money, and the more fans you have, the more money you're going to get. Yeah, um, speaking of money, speaking of new fans and, and everything else, uh, Tim, I know you've been uh, speaking with uh, Ken. Um, I think it's Ken, isn't it? Um, Ken yes, Solomon. Ken Solomon. Yes. Uh, about the uh, cancer. For anybody that's unaware, you might notice in, in some of the uh, some of the Facebook groups, if you're in any of them, you'll see a guy called Ken Solomon. Solomon, sorry, uh, and he runs uh, trips to Liverpool. Um, really nice guy, apparently. Um, I know a lot of people have used the service to go to games and they've, they've said nothing but nice things. Tim, I know you've been speaking to him. Can you tell us a bit more um, about our little? Uh, you're gonna have a little chat with him, and uh, we're gonna have a little section if you if you want to go to games that you can get in contact with Ken. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we've done, and you know, full credit goes to Gordon, for example, uh, for the map on our site for you know where to watch the game and stuff like that, because we were trying to get answers to the questions that were most commonly asked, and one of them is, you know, where do I watch the game with other Liverpool fans, or I'm gonna be in Austin, where can I go to watch the game and stuff like that. So we kind of wanted to give a resource for that. Well, another 
especially now, you know, you uh, one thing I see as, you know, fans, you know, watch Enfield and see the atmosphere and kind of like want to be a part of it is, you know, people trying to get tickets, you know, what's the best way to do it and stuff like that. So I kind of like wanted to give a resource for that that is kind of reliable. Uh, and having talked to Ken, basically, what we're going to try to do is, you know, like provide um, like their trips. One thing I really liked about um, you know, having talked to Ken and like looking into their program and looking at the reviews and stuff, it's not only, you know, just take you to the game and then pick you up from the game and have a nice life. It's kind of like a, a tour of the city and the city's yeah. culture as well. So that's what I liked about it the most, you know, like as I looked more and more into it. So, yeah, we're going to try to make a section where, you know, fans who want to travel there to watch the team live so they can be an actual fan, I guess, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like to be to be able to you know do that, uh, we're gonna kind of like try to provide a resource for that as they have like regular trips scheduled. And it's, I mean, another nice thing is it's always like smaller groups of like you know like 10 to 20 sounds like. Uh, so it's a lot more personal. Uh, and like I say, a lot of exposure to the city's culture and stuff like that. So it should be interesting. Trying to give as many resources as possible. It goes all back to what we we're talking about. A lot of new fans that are starving for information and i'll be honest it's kind of hard to find or in this day and age of internet it's hard to believe what you read yeah. <laughs> even if you can't find it so trying to make sure you know i mean by now we're like a reliable resource so trying to like provide more information to people who are seeking it out yeah i mean that, that that's the thing there's there's a lot of charlatans out there there's a lot of people scalping tickets and um you know fakes and, and i'm seeing a lot of sort of word on twitter about stuff you know because it's you know it's the big game of the weekend everybody wants to watch liverpool now you know those tickets are gold dust um so there's a there's a lot of um there's a lot of charlatans and um yeah uh, everything i've heard about ken is is extremely good um and you're going to be chatting to him soon uh, that's going to be a, a podcast on its own tim yeah Yes, yeah, we're going to be talking to him, so you can kind of, like, talk a lot more about the, you know, the trips themselves and kind of, like, what makes them more unique. So, I mean, like I say, I think it's, like, pretty, anybody who's able to do it, that's a pretty darn cool way to do it, because it is hard to get, and then here's another thing, you know, if you get scammed, I mean, if I get a ticket in Chicago to Soldier Field and I get scammed, I say, fuck, and I just drive back home, but... You get scammed and now you're in Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. you over there and your ticket is fake. It's a whole different ordeal. So it's very important to be able to go through somebody who is reliable, especially when you're spending too much, so much money and kind of like investing so much into it. Yeah, man. I mean, if I've flown 5,000 miles and, and I ended up with a fake ticket, somebody would definitely be getting a really dirty look, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, in my younger days, I probably would have punched something or kicked somebody or, or something, but yeah, I'm at that point in life where they're just getting a dirty look and walk away. It's not worth it. Um, but yeah, um, you're going to be talking to Ken. Um, I'm actually I'm actually going to be talking to um, Amy, Amy Kate from the, the USA Cop and, and uh, CopCon. Um, so, and I'm also going to be talking to uh, my friend Kerry, from LFC Orlando, um, she does a lot of like single traveling around the world and, and does a lot of games as well. So I'm going to hit her up for a lot of information on help for seeing games as well. Um, if you're not necessarily into the package thing, like if you're going to be in the UK on holiday or on business anyway, and you want to get hooked up locally, um, I'm going to be having a chat with her about how you can do that. 
So um, we've got that to look forward to. Um, speaking of her, I was on her podcast about um, a year ago, and um, and I made some comments about Jordan Henderson. <laughs> Um, so I want to apologize. Here's the thing. I want to apologize. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, I, I kind of went in hard on him, though, when I didn't say, and I actually, you know, I wanted Virgil van Dijk to get the, the armband in the summer, and I didn't think Hendo was up to the task, and, and I was pretty harsh about it. And, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not usually one to hold my hands up. Uh, when I'm when I'm wrong like that, but I was so wrong about this. Jordan Henderson has completely turned me around. Uh, I am 100% behind Jordan Henderson again. Um, so, Hendo, I'm sorry. <laughs> Kerry, I'm sorry for tainting your podcast with that bile. <laughs> I, anyway, I think so, a lot of fans, I mean, you're pro- definitely not alone in that sense, but I mean, it, shockingly, there are still people in denial after, I don't know what else he has to do uh, to be able to turn those fans around. But I mean, I've been a supporter of his, you know, like fighting the handle battle over the last two seasons online um, to fans who really don't didn't appreciate what he brought. I mean, he was playing out of position, first of all. And like I say, a lot of the things he does kind of gets overlooked because it's not as fancy, but it's the hard work. Uh, so, and there's still like, you know, you talk, you look online about like, you know, people looking for improvements to improve on Hendo kind of thing, um, or still people who don't appreciate his value. But yeah, I mean, he's been golden, man. I mean, you know, he's in the player of the year talk and I can definitely see that in terms of, you know, what he brings every game and his leadership on the field is, especially with Milner out as well, he's been out there. And you can kind of tell, you know, especially in times and games where we kind of struggle or we don't look awake and stuff like that, you can see him barking all over the place and like kind of like waking people up. And that's that's huge. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. I, I Before he had the heel injury, um, I used to call him the honey badger because he was always there. He was in your face constantly. Then he got the heel injury and he kind of fell off and he wasn't in the, the, the team a lot and he was injured for a long time. And and I kind of felt that that honey badger fight had gone. And I didn't believe that he had that fight in him anymore. But he's completely, it's back. The honey badger is back. Hendo, Hendo the honey badger is completely back. And I, I couldn't be happier because, I mean, it's one of those stories where a lot of fans, there's a lot of hate for the guy, you know, and it's, you know, and I was a part of that for a while, you know, and I feel bad because it's the club captain, you know, but it's funny because you're saying that about people still going on about Henderson. I'm still seeing people saying FSG out. I know it's a minority, like a tiny, tiny minority. Ricardo, yeah, have, have you, have you still encountered some? What's that, dude? I said there's people that think the earth is flat, so (laughs) (laughs) there's always going to be one faction that you're not really understanding where they're getting it from. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, on that note, uh, I think we'll wrap it up. Tim, you've got to go and play football, I believe. Um, Yes. It's kind of like trying out these new cleats, so either I'm not going to be able to walk tomorrow or I'll be able to brag about them. So we'll find that in the next part. (laughs) 
Awesome stuff. <laughs> Gordo, Gordo, what's your plans before Saturday? Uh, whew, nothing. Just finding a good place to watch and getting back in the rhythm. A little annoyed that the games are 6.30 and 11.30. I wish that they would just move one pack to nine. But uh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll be waking up early on Saturday to watch that first game. But uh, I just one quick note about Ken. I've actually I've used him before. This is going to sound like a big fish story now, but uh, my old man and I last year were uh, put our names in the hat for the Barcelona uh, second leg, and um, there was a couple after we lost three uh, nothing. A couple was about to back out. And uh, he was pretty much gave us the green light. We were ready to go. And then the day before he confirmed that couple uh, decided to go. And oh. uh, the, re- the rest is history. So, yeah, I would. No way, man. <laughs> I was inches away. But Ken, Ken is, is, a, is an absolute angel. The guy uh, uh, worked me through the whole way um, in constant contact. Can't say enough good stuff about him. Um, obviously didn't get the chance to go and, and, uh, and experience his, his tour. But uh at least the initial process was was very great, and especially because I was the first one on the outskirts, and he was still in constant contact with me. So definitely uh, recommend him. Awesome stuff, man. That's, all right, then on that note, we'll leave it. Uh, yeah, he'll never walk alone. Damn right. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers.